This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on this scorching Friday the 17th of June. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Coming up, you can hear the moment a man was arrested after stealing an Amazon delivery van. Should Kent's grammar schools be phased out? Plus, you can hear about the music project in Kent helping young asylum seekers. But first today, a mum from Ramsgate is calling for more mental health support for disabled children after her son died during lockdown. Sammy Alban Stanley fell from a cliff in 2020 after having previous dangerous and life-threatening episodes caused by Prader-Willi syndrome. Now, following an inquest last year, Assistant Coronet Catherine Wood revealed that she feared there is a risk further deaths could occur unless action is taken by authorities. She noted that if 13-year-old Sammy had been given greater levels of practical help and support, it may have made a difference to his high-risk behaviour and ultimately to his death. Well, Sammy's mum, Patricia, is calling on government ministers to do more and she's been speaking to our reporter, Jamie. Sammy was absolutely exceptional. He was just the sweetest boy, so kind and empathetic, had a heart for everyone. Um, He was the sort of person who would go to an elderly neighbour and make them a cup of tea and he'd engage talking to people in the street about their jobs, their work. Um, He was also um, very gifted at using his hands. So he was skilled at carpentry and uh, sewing and other craft. Um, And he was learning the piano. So he was very determined. He he wasn't the type of child who would just sort of sit in front of the television. He'd he'd actively, you know, engage in all sorts of activities. It's lovely. And tell me a little bit about some of the challenges that Sammy faced and how that affected his behaviours. Yes, Sammy was um, diagnosed at five weeks with a rare genetic uh, neurological condition of the brain called Prader-Willi syndrome. And he also had autism uh, and anxiety. Um, And those three together kind of reacted in a way that made um, his behaviour at times very challenging and... Um, he would lose control um, of what he was doing at times and it was very, very dangerous and it was life-threatening. And this is um, in line with the Prader-Willi diagnosis, which is um, a problem with, with, there's a brain impairment of the hypothalamus. So it it does affect mood regulation and it's more commonly known, obviously, for the um, overeating element. But we'd got a grip on that. Um, He was doing really well with that. We'd worked very well with him and he'd, yeah, he was, yeah, he was pretty good with that. Um, But it was, it was tended to be mainly the, the behavioral element at times of, of dysregulation or stress um, when he he would lose control, I, I could really describe them a bit like a seizure. Um, for forty five minutes, he would, yeah, he wouldn't know what he what he was doing. So we desperately needed support. And I was going to, you know, speak to you about that because I know you felt that there was quite a lack of support for your son at the time. Yeah, I mean, he seemed to fall between the gaps in the system. You know, at once when one hand he was too disabled and the other. Um, not disabled enough so for example the children with disabilities team um, you would think would be there supporting us given the fact that this is a 
genetic organic neurological condition but no they said he didn't meet their criteria and that was based on a google search of the condition we were um the social workers the doctors great ormond street everybody was asking for them to become involved and assess sally but they refused point blank to do any assessment and in fact they refused five times and obviously you're calling for more support from the government now and reaching out to government ministers directly with with your open letter you know for more support for other disabled children what is it that you're calling for them to do well there is an another case in another area oscar nash um, and his mother and i together have written to the ministers um, health and social care and education to sort of provide evidence that this isn't just an isolated case and oscar's isn't an isolated case that we were both failed, um, both of us, in, in having adequate support. And um, both coroners, different coroners, ruled prevention, national prevention of future deaths need to be considered at national level by government. And that there are serious failures for these children. Um, children with neurological conditions and autism are being excluded from the support they need. Um, what would be you know, the outcome that you would hope for from this for other children to get some support? What would be the ideal outcome from government for you? So we want to push for a- accountability um, to be really properly considered. And they have said that they'll look at that, but we want to know in what way they're going to look at that and how they're going to implement that change. Um, also, we are looking um, for mandatory training in, in autism and, and other neurological conditions and a number of other um, recommendations that were common factors in both Oscars and Sam's inquest. What I think is really important is that, you know, child losing a child is really the most abominable, abysmal pain you could ever have. And when, when a death is preventable, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's magnified. So I just feel so strongly that, you know, it's hard enough with parents that have to lose a child through, I don't know, cancer. But when, the, when it's preventable, we really need to, you know, make sure that doesn't happen. And, I, you know, and that certainly is the case with, with, with these two child deaths. We are, of course, incredibly grateful to Patricia for taking the time to chat to us. And speaking last year, following the inquest, Matt Dunkley, who's Corporate Director of Children, Young People and Education at Kent County Council, said that the authority accepted the coroner's findings and improvements have been made within the service. He added, we're grateful for her acknowledgement of our reflective analysis outlining the valuable lessons learned and subsequent interventions and improvements put in place within our children's services. And he went on to say, we take our responsibility for Kent's children extremely seriously and will continue to strive to deliver the very best care and support possible for them and their families. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today. And a man's been convicted of attempted murder after stabbing a teenage girl 22 times at her home in Dartford. Simeon Shabbat, who's from Sandling Rise in the Eltham part of London, repeatedly attacked the 17-year-old in Temple Hill. He also injured her mum as she forced him out of the house. The 20-year-old will be sentenced in August. A man who stole an Amazon delivery van and drove it across Canterbury in a failed attempt to get away with the goods inside has been jailed for three 
three years. Officers found Ronnie Mead surrounded by half-opened packages 20 minutes after he'd snatched the vehicle's keys off the driver in April. They managed to find him using the vehicle's tracker, and this is the moment he was arrested. Hands behind your back, mate. Why? Hands behind your back. Why? Hands behind your back. What for? Mate, put your hands behind your back. Hands behind your back. Mate, I've just found him boxes there, mate. Stop. Yeah, one sec, mate. Just, yeah, now go on. Mate, I'm on licence. Right. Why would I do something stupid? Okay, mate, you're under arrest. For what? You're under arrest at the minute, for okay? For theft of motor vehicle and theft of these uh, parks packages, all right? Mate, you do not have to say anything, but it may help me defence. If you do not mention one question, something you later on in court, anything you do say may be given evidence. The 33-year-old from Hunton Gardens claimed to have stumbled across the parcels but couldn't explain why he also had the driver's wallet. This is what Chief Inspector Mark Hedges, who's the District Commander for Canterbury, has had to say. Ronnie Mead is an opportunistic criminal who thinks nothing of taking things that do not belong to him. Fortunately for us, he didn't consider that the van he took would have a tracking device on it and lead us right to him. Whilst he initially protested his innocence, even he could see how it looked when we found him just yards from the van and surrounded by packages. He was therefore left with little choice but to admit his crimes and will now serve a considerable length of time behind bars as a result. You can also watch the video of that arrest by heading to the story at Kent Online. There's been a huge police response following a hoax call about a sexual assault near Maidstone. A helicopter and dog unit were sent to Lenham yesterday evening, but it all turned out to be a false report. Officers say incidents like this put people who genuinely need emergency assistance at risk. A Brexit customs site due to ease pressure on the port of Dover has been scrapped. Building work has already started on the facility at the White Cliff business park off the A2 in Whitfield. It would have cost £120 million and created 400 jobs, but the government says it's no longer needed. Now, a Kent youth charity is launching a safe space for young asylum seekers after concerns many are struggling to feel part of society. Pie Factory Music says the pandemic has made it even harder for them to understand the culture and access support since arriving here. They're holding open arm sessions at Ramsgate Youth Centre from tonight where they can meet others who've gone through a similar journey and faced similar trauma. Ish has been chatting with their managing director Steph Dickinson. It's really important to think about the journey that young people have had um, even getting here uh, and a lot of trauma and a lot of really difficult um, things that they've had to face in terms of losing um, their own their own lives back home, loved ones. And, you know, we're talking about young people, we're talking about children, and they've landed in um, a country that they don't know, a culture that they don't know. And um, we just really recognise that, like all of us need, they need people who can just listen and people who can be safe um, to just help them navigate that, really. Um, and I think it was important for us as well that, it wasn't just, you know, there is statutory support available, but it's more than that. It's about how we welcome these people into our community and how we make sure they, they're set up for living here and, um, and have friends and support beyond kind of statutory support. Has it been difficult for young asylum seekers here to, as you say, become, I don't really like the word, integrated into society, but essentially that that's what i mean is is that's why you're doing this for it to be easier to be part of this society yeah absolutely and i think what we really recognize is that um the, the last 
couple of years have been so difficult for young people in general, but this is a group of young people who are even more marginalised and who are having to learn really difficult, complex things about our culture in the middle of what has been, you know, a global pandemic. So I think just really recognising um, just the importance of people feeling welcome and safe. And if that is not there, if that is missing, how difficult it must feel as a young person who's pretty much lost everything. Um, you know, and, and I think just being really honest about the misconceptions and really challenging some of the misconceptions about asylum seekers and challenging racism and challenging the things that, that they're having to face every single day. Um, we want to just be really open about that and do that together. Yeah, and, and on that point, I mean, you'll be well aware, I'm sure, that the subject of asylum seekers and the government's deportation policy is a very hot topic right now. It's, it is part of this about, like you say, changing attitudes within the community and, and have a better understanding of asylum seekers and the situation that they're in. Absolutely. Um, it's absolutely about us learning and us as a whole society learning how to welcome and include people. Um, we should be doing that. As well as, as well as people coming here and learning about our culture, we should also be learning about how to make things more compassionate and more inclusive. Because um, ultimately, we're we all human, we all have value, and that should be the bottom line. Um, so we're really keen that um, this project not only changes the lives of the young people who are part of it, but also changes our community. We, we'd love for Thanet to be known as the most inclusive, welcoming place in Kent. Do you know of any young asylum seekers here who have expressed any concern about this policy the, the government are trying to implement? I think it's really triggering and really traumatic for young people. Um, I think it's quite difficult for young people to understand. I mean, it's difficult to, for me to understand, if I'm perfectly honest, some of the decisions being made. And I think... Um, I, I, the feeling that I get from young people is just a feeling of overwhelm and powerlessness, just that they have very little say or power. And yeah, we certainly know of young people who, you know, have had had family members um, having to move and they're split, spread out across the country. It's it's not good. Well, latest figures show more than 11,000 people have now crossed the Channel to Kent so far this year. Latest government stats show 146 made the dangerous journey in four small boats yesterday. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Sounds like there could be more strikes on the railways in Kent as another union is considering industrial action. Thousands of workers are already planning to walk out next week in a row over pay and redundancies. The TSSA are now asking staff at Southeastern about possible strike action towards the end of July. Just a reminder for you, the strikes next week will affect almost all services in Kent on Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday. We've got details on the website showing the limited routes that will be operating earlier in the week. Network Rail said to expect six days of disruption, with trains failing to return to normal on the days in between the strikes. More details have emerged about how two teaching assistants saved the life of a 10-year-old boy after he collapsed at a school in Faversham. Yasser had just had lunch at St Mary of Charity Primary when he suffered a cardiac arrest. 
The staff performed CPR until ambulance crews arrived and he was flown to London for treatment and later said to be responsive and talking. At Kent Online today, you can see the moment a motorcyclist was thrown from their bike following a crash near Dartford. They hit the side of a car that was changing lanes in traffic on the A2 last Friday. It was all captured on dash cam footage. Police thankfully say there were only minor injuries. On to some education news now, and a bid to phase out the 11 plus or Kent test and scrap grammar schools has been described as bizarre by an education expert in the county. Labour peer and former trade union boss Baroness Blower is proposing they be turned into non-selective schools. Well, former Gravesend Grammar School head teacher Peter Reid says now would not be the right time following two years of disruption caused by Covid. It's a bizarre idea at this time when the country actually needs some stability after the last three years of chaos. Unfinanced reorganisation is chaos for a generation of school children. So that says nothing about whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but to do it requires considerable funding. And I do not believe anybody is going to regard this as an appropriate area to invest a lot of money. Um, The Labour peer suggests it can be done easily. Rubbish. (laughs) It's a complex situation. We've got small schools, we've got large schools. Comprehensive schools need to be larger. So before you start anything else, the buildings are all wrong. A lot of them are in the wrong places. 31 of the country's 163 grammar schools are here in Kent. Michelle Litchford's children had to take the 11 plus. She's open to the idea of changes. I don't disagree with grammar schools, although I can see why some people um, are against them. Because it, it, I think it's just, it's just the way the 11 plus is handled now and how parents are as I say, coaching their children, you're getting a false outcome. And I think that could have sort of quite dire effects on the children who get into grammar schools who shouldn't be there because they're not quite at the level they could be or should be. Finally, on this debate today, we can hear from Alan Bainbridge. He's from a campaign group called Comprehensive Future. It's a long time coming. I mean, the vast majority of schools in this country, the vast majority of schools in the world, are not selective Um, and there are a handful of schools um, that are of which Kent has has quite a few of those and um, I don't think academically or socially it offers any advantage at all. Well all this is certainly not a new debate and one that's been rumbling on for a very long time I'm sure it will continue as well but we'd love to know what you think should grammar schools be scrapped or not you can message via our socials today just search for Kent Online. Kent Online reports. Ofsted says Medway's children's services are making significant progress after previously being rated inadequate. During a review in May, care leavers were found to have exceeded the national average when it comes to accessing education, training and employment. Inspectors have told the council to continue to improve the quality of safety plans and the mental health support available for young people. Bosses say they'll keep doing all they can. Changes are being made so it's easier for parents to get free school transport for eligible children. In the 
past, they've had to apply and wait for an assessment, but soon the council will be able to give advice on whether they're entitled to it before they send in an official form. Now, the owner of a B&B in Herne Bay has had his bid to turn the property into flats turned down. Nick Coffin had wanted to convert the building on Central Parade after struggling to compete with Airbnb properties in the town. There are currently around 100, while there are only eight traditional bed and breakfasts. He still plans to go ahead with closing the evening tide in September. For the third day in a row, it's been the hottest day of the year so far. Pretty sweltering today, despite that breeze. While some of us might enjoy the first real blast of summer, experts say the very young children and the elderly need to take special care, where the advice is to stay out of the sun during the hottest part of the day and drink plenty of water. And Jane Ghosh is Kent's Director of Public Health and has a bit more advice for us. Keep cool, stay hydrated, be prepared. So in terms of keeping cool, it's about, um, you know, drawing your blinds so far as where you're either staying or working is concerned, uh, keeping the place um, shaded. In terms of hydrated, frequent sips of water would do the trick so your body doesn't actually uh, tell you you're thirsty. Uh, by the time it does, it's it's a bit late because you're already quite dehydrated by then. So take frequent sips of, sips of water. Alcohol tends to dehydrate a person. So actually drinking copious amounts of alcohol can actually cause the opposite. So I know a a chilled beer on a hot summer day sounds like a real tantalising prospect, but just be doing things in moderation. Free tickets are now available for a party at Dover Castle to celebrate the Commonwealth Games. The Queen's Baton Relay will be arriving in the town on the 7th of July. Two and a half thousand people are expected to be at the event, which will have live music, cheerleading displays and a parade. A former star of The Apprentice is hoping a skate park he's planning to open in Swanley will help kickstart the regeneration of the park there. J.D. O'Brien has managed to secure £250,000 in funding for the project. It'll be free to use and he also wants to build a storage unit so children without a board can borrow one and get involved in the sport. J.D. has been speaking to our reporter, Sean Delaney. I moved to Sevenoaks having lived in Asia for nearly a decade and when I moved back I really craved a bit of community and um, when I moved to Kent I kind of got stuck into it but was really looking for a good project. And a friend of mine, Councillor Roderick Hogarth from Sevenoaks, um, and I would bat around ideas of what I could do. And eventually he said he was running a Sevenoaks Public Realm art project on the skate park. So I went and had a quick butchers at the skate park in Swanley and thought, there's no point adding art to this. It needs a bit of a redo. I looked online and there was a petition with 500 signatures to redo the skate park. And I said to Councillor Hogarth, let's rebuild it. Let's fundraise, let's do this. Spoke to Swanley Council, spoke to the local skaters, and there's just huge demand for it. And I think when you dig into the world of skateboarding, you see that there's this huge community within skateboarding of where they all support each other. They clap each other when they do a good trip. They clap each other when they fall off the board. It, I mean, it's a real, it's a it's a really close-knit crew. And and I think that's really important in a time where you know, community and sticking together is so important because it's very hard to in what I think some people describe as a slightly divisive world these days. So something like this, I think, to get a bit of community engagement, bring people together, and more importantly, put a really good facility so that kids can get out there, re-engage with friends and 
the community and bring everyone together hopefully what kind of facilities will we see in this particular skate park because i know that there's going to be obviously that the ramp was the main thing that needed to change and there was you know i think you told me before about how you could, it got so hot in the summer you could fry an egg on it i think was what you remarked to me yeah, before it's all metal ramps um there's even um kind of metal rivets that are sticking out that are so dangerous the ramps get boiling hot um and and it just needs a complete do-over when i saw this design i think it can really clean up that part of the wreck which is somewhat neglected and there's actually a playground right next to it so going back to your point i think when we put this in both in terms of what the skaters can do the tricks they can do and the amount of people that will go down and hopefully come from all across kent possibly around the southeast um, we'll come and enjoy this because it's it's an amazing looking skate park if we're able to deliver it. Now we've got the money. And um, I think that once we've done that, the plan is on, on a greater scale with the rec round um, to put uh, possibly a cafe, cafe storage uh, facility and toilets so that, you know, if you're a parent or if you've just gone along to watch a friend or whatever skate, you know the weather's not great in this country you might need the toilet and there's nothing there so you have to leave completely um and also somewhere we can store some skateboards so that everyone can get involved everyone talks about inclusivity these days we want to actually deliver that so that everyone can come along and try it um long term we want to put uh, a path slash cycle slash running path in so that everyone can access it and huge weekend of music is getting underway in kent tonight thousands are expected at the hot farm near Paddockwood over the next three days where keen are among those playing elsewhere the black deer festival returns to erridge park near tunbridge wells with more than 100 acts across seven stages kent online sports Football first up and Gillingham have apparently seen a spike in season ticket sales since they were relegated. It's understood around 2,000 have been sold and boss Neil Harris says he's glad to see the support from fans. Three new players have been added to the squad so far as they get ready for League Two next season. Cricket and Kent return to T20 blast action tonight. The Spitfires, who are defending champions, are travelling to Southampton to take on Hampshire. They've had quite a disappointing time of it in the competition so far with just two wins from their eight games. Play gets underway tonight at seven. We will, of course, have details of the result in bulletins on our sister radio station, KMFM, tomorrow morning. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Whilst on the site today, you can read the latest review from our secret drinker. I do hope you have a fantastic weekend and I'll be back with the podcast on Monday. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.